Hello, it's Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Each month, David and I host Alabama Work Comp Today. We invite colleagues who do the same type of practices that we have, that's representing injured workers in workplace injuries and accidents. We get together with them once a month on YouTube Live and we discuss the hot topics of the day that involve employers, employees, independent contractors, and all of the above. We hope you'll enjoy listening to Alabama Work Comp today. In this episode, David and I have a great conversation with Amy Peters and Amanda Peters with Blue Water Legal in Edmonds, Washington. The Peters sisters joined us for several discussions on current news and articles involving COVID-19 work-related issues. We hope you'll enjoy this episode as we try to bring you topical and current issues that might be of interest every month. I believe there was a federal tri jury trial in South Alabama recently. So the feds are open. <laughs> trying, our, yeah, our, our right. fed courts aren't doing it anything is my right. understanding. I think we are just about live, I hope. And I want to welcome everybody. This is our monthly program. Alabama Work Comp Today, and David and I try to bring conversations each month that are of national interest, and we are so fortunate today to have, it must be Siblings Day at Alabama Work Comp Today, because we have Amanda and Amy Peters of Edmonds, Washington with us, so welcome ladies, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Thanks for inviting us. Absolutely, absolutely our pleasure. If you would, uh, before we jump into our stories for the day or from this month, tell us a little bit about your practice. Well, Amanda and I um, have been in practice now for together for, well, as lawyers for about five years, five years but Amanda was my paralegal before then um, and went to law school mostly because I think I told her she didn't want me as her boss for forever. <laughs> um, but we own a firm called Blue Water Legal. Our primary practice is doing Longshore and Harbor Workers Compensation Act cases, but we also do things um, involving other maritime injury cases, such as the Jones Act and cruise ship cases. We don't do a lot of state, or we don't do much at all of Washington State LNI cases, but we still kind of keep our fingers in the pot and pay attention to what's going on here in Washington State. We always find it pops up in our longshore cases. We have a busy firm of, we're the only two lawyers, but we have another five staff members who are fabulous. And us? Well, Dave and I don't do any longshoremen or harbor type cases. We do have, the state of Alabama, as you guys know, has access to the Gulf of Mexico. 
but we are a good four to five hours north of there. So we never get any of those types of, of cases. And for folks who may be watching us live or later on, who may not know what those types of cases are, in brief, tell us what, what's involved in a longshoreman or a harbor injury type case. So the Longshore and Harbor Workers' Compensation Act um, covers workers who wouldn't otherwise be covered by state workers' comp because they are working on navigable waters. For all of us lawyers out there, navigable waters are waters where um, commerce happens. And the federal government has control over those areas. And so this is the workers' comp system that covers um, that federally controlled navigable waters. So anyway, for non-lawyers, um, <laughs> those are the people who load and unload giant ships and those who build or repair those giant ships along with some odds and ends. <laughs> Dave, you got that? You got a good handle on that? So we're going to quiz you after we get Yeah, started. yeah. The, the answer is call Amy or call Amanda. <laughs> And, and guys, are those cases, are they federal cases or are they in state court or how are they adjudicated? Largely in front of the U.S. Department of Labor. And so most of the hearings happen before an administrative body at the U.S. Department of Labor, the Office of Administrative Law Judges. But appeals go up to the federal courts, um, the various circuit courts. So here we're in the Ninth Circuit. You guys would be probably in the Fifth Circuit? We used to be. Now we're in the Eleventh. Yeah. Now you're in the 11th. Okay. Um, I wasn't quite sure about that line for you guys. Um, so you guys, your guys' cases would be in the 11th circuit and technically the cases can go the whole way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, even though the type of work is, is vastly different than what Dave and I do on the state court level in work comp, there are so many similarities in, in that we're representing uh, people who get hurt at, at, at the job. And there's just... I guess a, uh, a lot of things that do overlap, but there are certainly a lot of things that are, are different. But what, what we do here at this monthly show, Alabama Work Comp Today, is we try to bring conversations and topics about things that are going on around the country, st either state by state or uh, national of interest, articles that we see that really are, are, are out there that I think or we think that should be discussed. And that's why we've got you guys on with us. We sure appreciate you sharing some time with us. And so we've got a whole bunch of articles here. We'll try to get to as many as we can. But obviously the reoccurring theme in the world has been going on for three to four, five, six months now has been the pandemic. And so the last couple of shows, in fact, last month, was last month Paolo, David? Gosh, it yeah. seems that each month keeps to go by so fast. Paolo Longo, a buddy of ours from Mid-State Florida, was on with us. And we ran through what were the hot topics of that time. But as we've all seen within either day to day or week to week, month to month, the topics that are of most utmost interest, they change so quickly. Just like, let me ask you, you guys, uh, Amanda, let me ask you, in, in Washington, state of Washington, how many times or how often have either the state's laws changed for what's required about social distancing and safe at what we in Alabama have been called safe at home or stay at home? Uh, there's been different names to it. How many times has that changed in the last three or four months for you guys in Washington? 
I think it was daily at one point. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's by county. We have various phases each county has to go into. And um, there were three or four at one point, but now they're doing 1.5 and 2.5. Oh, so um, I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> and it's, uh, David, in, in Birmingham, our, our mayor has, and you and I live actually in different cities, even though we're in the same county. And I live close to downtown Birmingham where Mayor Woodfin has been extremely proactive. We have the largest county uh, of population in the state, I, I believe. Uh, whereas David lives what we call over the mountain, just south of me. And he only has about 20, maybe 20, 25,000 people in his yeah. city where mine is, is 10 times that. So our mayor has been extremely proactive and we've had certain, we've had curfews, we've had uh, you've got to wear a mask in public, of course, social distancing. In David City, I don't know if it's been quite as uh, stringent. It's it, he's had a lot. The mayor's had a lot of things, but so it, it becomes confusing in the same community. So I don't know if that's also your uh, y'all's experience. Uh, I don't know how far you live from where you work, but even even with that example, David and I work in between our offices. I mean, in between our respective homes. So anyway, it just, it changes all the time. But what I wanna talk about, and we're gonna get to our first article, is just that. It's your, I predict that our approach in Alabama and in the Southeast is gonna be different maybe from what your approach might be out in in Washington. And so that's why we have you guys on this week or this month, uh, just because it's, I think it's an interesting contrast. It really, it really is. Yeah, we just uh, got notice, was it on Monday, that our whole state is re- being required to wear masks. So um, it's it's a new world. Dave, how would how would the state of Alabama react if Governor Ivey oh. required masks throughout the state? Um, it would not go well. And I will say this, I went to uh, the grocery store at lunch today and I was impressed by the number of people, number of shoppers, that were wearing their masks, including uh, you know some kids that looked to be about you know three five years old, uh, they were wearing the mask and their moms were. So I was really pleased to see that uh, as someone that does wear a mask when they go into you know, public places like that. So, but uh, overall, no, the state of Alabama would not be very happy. Uh, how dare you infringe upon our rights uh, like that to make us wear a mask? Well, it's. It's funny, actually. Um, Amy and I live in Snohomish County, not King County, where Seattle is. Uh, We're about, what, 10 miles away? Maybe. Um, And in Snohomish County, there actually was a florist shop, I think, that prevented anyone from entering wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. actually wearing the mask. And so the state is currently suing them over that. Wow, you know, there's been so much litigation that yet to come. But guys, let's jump in the third article. It's a national article of interest. And that's what the title is. Can the government legally force you to wear a mask? I just, I think it is just an article exactly on point. Amy, I'm gonna let you kick off. What what was your take on this? And and what do you think about it? Well, and I kind of equate it to wearing a seatbelt. Um, as the article kind of discusses, um, the Tenth Amendment gives states the ability to do a lot of things to protect its citizens. 
And wearing a mask is one of those things that I think falls in that police power, so to speak, or the ability of the state to kind of regulate its people and make sure that all of its people are protected. Just like some, we, when we get in a car, it's a dangerous activity. We have to put on our seatbelts to keep us all safe. Wearing a mask for me is just very, very similar. Right now, there's not any other protections out there. And the studies have come out and they've said wearing a mask, while not perfect, it's the best protection that we've got. And so we need to do that. David, I saw there is a congressman in, I think, Illinois, and he's, he's not alone. But he has put on his Facebook page a, I guess it's a placard of some sort, and says, print this out in case you need this if someone of um, in law enforcement is trying to make you wear a mask. And the placard says, due to HIPAA and due to the ADA and a whole host of other protections, I don't have to wear this mask because I'm disabled. I don't have to tell you what my disability is and you can't make me wear this mask because according to this congressman, this placard and what he puts in it, that protects the person from not having to wear it. And it just creates such conflict. We've all seen so many examples of people literally losing their mind because as you gave the example a minute ago, uh, Amanda, if a store says you have to wear a mask when you come into my store, they have the right to run their business how they see fit. And they're just, again, for the greater good, making people wear masks. David, what, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be a, end up being a lawsuit in the state of Alabama, either in federal or state court, where you denied me service to, I'm going to make something up, Burger King, yeah. because you wouldn't <laughs> let me come in to order because I wasn't going to wear a mask. Um, you know, the, the an, anti-masker crowd is pretty passionate. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, yes, it would not surprise me one bit if that uh, type of lawsuit was, was, was brought. Um, but I guess it really does depend on whether the anti-masker uh, does have a disability um, and if they are in a protected class. Um, so I guess it just, you know, like any other lawsuit, the success of it's going to depend upon the facts. Um, but yeah, the anti-maskers, I and I saw that little card you were, you, you were mentioning. I just, you know, to each their own. Well, and personally, our, um, our mother had a work injury and she has a facial injury and it makes wearing a mask very difficult for her. And to me, someone printing off a placard saying that they're disabled when they're not makes the people who actually do have these disabilities um, less likely to be believed. I was just going to point. say it, it so takes away from the legitimate people who truly have that situation. Um, but it's not going to prevent some overzealous attorney wanting to make a name for themselves to get out there and file this lawsuit just so they can be the first one. There may be lawsuits. I just hadn't seen them just yet. <laughs> but what about, and, and I'm shifting to the second article here, the number two in our, our list, is while most, not all, most are of the belief that wearing 
face covering or masks does help to prevent the spread of the disease of the condition, but could it be bringing in actual work comp claims as having to wear them? And there were several examples in the article about people in, in their respective jobs who have to wear the mask for prolonged periods of time. And I thought it very, I found it very interesting toward the end of the article. I had, I never even thought about this, how it changes the way that people breathe. Just either psychologically they change because they've got the covering or if they didn't know that breathing through your nose might be a better way when you're having to wear this mask. David, do you think this type of a claim would fly in Alabama? It's yes, it's a hard claim to prove. Um, you're going to have to have uh, really strong medical evidence, you know, a doctor on, on the side of the injured worker to show that the change in the breathing uh, led to led to uh, an injury. Um, but it, it's, it's possible, but it, but a tough one. But here, you know, in, in, in probably in most any state, in order to have a legitimate work comp claim, and probably like the longshoreman's type of a claim, you have to show that the condition that you're bringing forth in your lawsuit was caused from your work environment or from something of you doing at work. So if I'm defending that type of a case, just in, in the hypothetical, well, you're wearing that mask when you go to the, the grocery store. You're wearing that mask the other 12 hours of a day, you're not asleep or at, at work. I think they're very tough cases to prove, but it just, I guess it's just now leading to, because we're only what, three to four months into this, I hate using this term, the new normal. I, somebody needs to come up with a, a, a different way to describe where we are. But uh, Amanda, did you take anything out of this article that that might be of, of help to your clients or, or work comp type clients? Well, it's interesting. Most of our clients are very physical. And um, so in one way that really resonates with our clients, but on the other hand, um, we have a lot of welders, a lot of uh, people who work in dusty environments who have been wearing masks of one sort or another um, a lot of their career. So in another way, it's um, it's kind of interesting that this type of argument is being made when really this has not been unusual for some workers. You know, if, if Amy, if money's not an issue, and it always is, but if money's not an issue and I'm a business owner, and let's say that I, I have a construction company and my people are working on ships in the harbor <clears throat> and I'm going to do what I can to help my employees to find the right type of head face covering that not only protects them from disease and protects others from them, but also allows them to do their job in, in a way that's safe. I don't know if there are such, but I'm going to do my homework. Do you, do you think employers <laughs> in the harbor, do you think construction companies are, are that proactive? I, I, I don't know. I hope they are. But as Amanda said, wearing masks is not new in a lot of in industries. Mm -hmm. And when you take our asbestos 
clients who work in the asbestos industries, they wear masks eight hours a day. And we're not talking about paper masks or smaller masks. We're talking about heavy duty masks. And the secrets that we see employers actually using with these masks is they train their workers how to use them safely. And one of the things that I liked about the article is it talked, it gave four points on how to safely wear a mask for these lengths of time. And I think if we really, as a state and a society, encourage our employers to embrace some of these techniques, really just help keep people safe. And that's what all workers comp is about, is keeping people safe. Um, but, but change is hard. It in is all, hard. In all aspects of life. I mean, David, we, we know of a, a story here in, in Alabama at the University of Alabama, the, the football stadium on the Alabama's campus is undergoing major renovations, which it seems like it is every year. But anyway, there was an article in the paper uh, last month that there was an outbreak of a cluster of construction workers. And it's still ongoing because assuming, and you all know how important college football is to us down here, assuming everything gets finished on time, they're under the gun because it's this is June 25th. The first home game is what, about the second week of September, David? So it's, you got July and August, whatever. They're under a deadline. They're always off. But I suspect that there's not a lot of protections going on. David, do you think those construction companies are actually providing proper protection and gear for all of those workers? I don't know. I, as you said, there was a, an outbreak, you know, there last month. So I don't know that they are providing them with the proper PPE. See if this resonates with the three of you guys. Most of our clients are hourly wage blue collar workers and they get hurt on the job or they may be um, exposed to chemicals or bad things in the air. And they get hurt, for example, and they have to make a decision of providing for their family financially and trying to maintain payment of their bills and the lifestyle that the family is accustomed to. But on the other hand, are they risking their health by doing so? Do you stay off of work and follow the doctor's directions and instructions and continue to heal? Or do you put yourself back in harm's way? And I can completely see this kind of a scenario going on where there's a cluster breakout and the boss man is telling them, you don't show up. We got 10 other guys who are dying for a job. I mean, it, it happens all the time. So I, I don't know if there's really any, any answers, but let's kind of shift to our third article in, in our group today, but it's the fifth article on our list. Workers' comp may protect employers from virus claims. And right now, I want to know when is that ever going to happen in the state of Alabama? Because right now, that's not happening. I don't think it's happening very many places. <laughs> it's not happening here in Washington either, unless you're an essential worker. Um, here in our state and also with Longshore, there would have to be a showing. Well, I shouldn't say also in Longshore. Longshore is a little bit of a different story. But in our state, there has to be showing of increased risk. So it has to be a risk outside of the community risk, which I think is what, is that pretty similar to what you guys are experiencing? They Get workers' comp cases? That on COVID-19? Yeah. Or occupational? 
uh, we don't have that there has um, we don't have any new laws uh, addressing COVID-19 as far as work comp in Alabama. There, we don't have the rebuttable or rebuttable presumption or anything like that. It's just our uh, so we fall back on our occupation, what the law says about occupational exposure. I, yep. I hope you, Amy, I hope you weren't assuming that Alabama was a progressive laws state protecting workers. I wouldn't make that assumption. <laughs> you know, we we may be number one in certain things, but we also may be 50th in, in other things. And unfortunately, we sit in the back of the pack when it comes to, to workers' uh, safety and rights and laws. And that, that's what part of this article goes into. Uh, Amanda, did you did you take anything out of this that you learned? Anything new, or did it uh, you pretty much kind of fell in line with what you already knew in your experience? Um, you always have to take something from everything you read, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, um, one thing that I think should be remembered is one way or the other, these treatments and society costs have to be covered. Um, and if it's putting a drain on one system, it's saving another system. So this system is meant to help workers who are exposed to risk and who put themselves at risk for our uh, benefits. And longshoremen especially, they've put themselves at risk every day. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think it's too much to ask that the insurance companies who, um, what is this, the second most profitable insurance in the uh, country, mm -hmm. that they give back. I, we represent, like you guys, injured workers. So we're often talking about the, the benefit that the worker gets. And one of the things that this article talks about that I want to focus on for just a minute is that at the heart of it, workers' compensation is a defense for the employer against negligence lawsuits by, their, by the employee. So in other words, if you get hurt at work, then your only lawsuit against your employer is for workers' compensation benefits. And so that is a generally a, a, a not a not a jury trial. There's no punitive damages. There's no comp uh, compensatory damages. The amount of the recovery is generally set through a formula or a schedule in most states. And so it keeps litigation costs and protects the employer. So they kind of know what they're getting because you're typically not a business is typically not going to be put out of business from a work comp lawsuit. That's why they have the insurance. So. So that's what a lot of what the article talks about. And I just wanted to mention that in our, while we're talking about this one. Well, let's, I want to step back for just a second and, and I'll, I'll throw this to you, Amy. If you have a longshoreman case and it's someone who's working in the hull of a ship and they're exposed to asbestos or some other related type harmful uh, chemicals, do you have to prove connection between the medical condition and the environment that they were working in? Does it have to go back to the employment setting, so to speak? Yeah, in longshore cases specifically, we have to prove a harm or something that goes wrong in the human body, and then a work condition that could have caused or aggravated, accelerated, or combined with 
to result in the that ultimate harm. So we're always looking at a connection to work. And so, for example, if we were going to go after a COVID case, which I actually think in under the Longshore Act, COVID cases are very, very possible. And we've been, been encouraging longshore workers and harbor workers to file these claims if they get sick. Because all you have to do is you have to prove that there was a harm and there was something in that environment that caused that harm. And so if you've got another coworker who's been tested positive, you've got something in that environment that caused that harm. And so we actually think that these cases under Longshore and this particular standard are very, very viable. Well, let, let me play the other side of this argument and say, okay, your, your injured, excuse me, your worker, the longshoreman is making a claim for COVID-19 exposure and they've tested positive. Well, I'm gonna argue, well, how do we know that it came from his coworker he was working next to and not his neighbor, his wife, being at the grocery store or, or any other place? And I think that's what makes this, this type of case so difficult. I don't know if it's been tested yet in your courts. I certainly hope that you're able to, to pinpoint it or narrow it down to a spot, but it just seems like such a difficult burden to be able to prove. And as we look around the states, one thing Longshore has is that they have this very liberal aggravation rule. Or we don't, it's just not an aggravation, it's a combined with. And one of the things we do have is we have studies that show that the greater your dose of COVID exposure, the more likely it is that you're going to actually contract the disease. And so if you're at work for eight hours, that's increasing your dose. You're maybe at the grocery store for what, 30 minutes? You're not going to the going to the restaurants anymore because they're not open. So the dose is the most important thing in how I know Amanda and I would kind of argue these cases. And would a David, do you think a medical expert's opinion would be of assistance to a, a worker in this situation? I, I think it would almost have to be required in order to be successful in that case in Alabama. I'm not saying David is neighbors with Dr. Michael Sag, who's been on all the national news of late, but you might give him a call later on. Maybe he can call in a favor. No, it's just, <laughs> it just seems like it's a requirement, at least if I'm approaching that, if I'm the judge or the, the, the decision maker in this case, I'm going to want to hear from a medical expert. Connect the dots for me from A to B and show me how this person was exposed and contracted it uh, from being at work and not from other sources. I know in Alabama, that would be a, a very high standard. And that's, guys, if we go to the sixth article, this one's out of Connecticut. And the title of it is Essential Workers Tell Lawmakers They're Being Denied Comp for COVID-19 because they can't prove where they got the virus. Uh, I haven't looked lately. Do, you, do any of the three of y'all know if, if states have put into place, are, are there any states that there is now a presumption for essential workers uh, to be able to prove their, the connection here? There's a number of states that have adopted those presumptions for first responders, mm -hmm. healthcare workers. Um, I've heard of at least one state that's adopted. I can't remember which one it is for grocery workers. 
Um, so there are some states that are putting some presumptions if we really wanted these workers to go to work, we wanna make sure that these workers are protected. So there are a few states out there, Washington State, our, um, our state workers comp, we're a state fund. Um, so our state actually totally controls workers comp here in Washington. And our state came out and said, if you're a first responder and you get COVID, we're just gonna accept your case. Uh, we did it not through a change in the law, but actually administratively the governor and um, our Department of Labor got together and said, that's what's gonna be the rule here in Washington. Um, and so I'm aware of other states that have used those kind of administrative processes, but there have been a few states that their legislatures have actually changed the law, particularly to pr protect doctors, nurses, healthcare workers. David, I certainly don't know the answer to this, but could Alabama, do they have a process where we could, from an administrative standpoint, like Amy just described, put that into place? Do you happen to know? Well, we do have administrative rules, uh, but as you know, our case law um, and our statutory law is more is controlling over the administrative. So I'm just curious. I don't know if it would ever happen here. I doubt it. But they've made so many new uh, administrative laws or the governor has put into place, and this pales in a comparison, but for example, I can't remember if it was the Alabama Supreme Court or the governor or both put into to new rules or regulations about how uh, notaries do their job. You know, just watching video through Zoom, that uh, just made it so much easier as opposed to being in person. And I know that's a big difference in what we're talking about here, but I'm just curious if there is such uh, mechanisms in our state to be able to do that. Hopefully somebody with knowledge in Alabama can kind of educate me a little bit about that, whoever sees this, this show. But it uh, this one's out of Connecticut, a shuttle bus driver uh, is the example. And we may have already covered everything that's really in here. I didn't know if any of the three of you all saw anything out of this article specifically that, that caught your attention. My kind of reaction to this particular article was just, these are workers. They are spending eight hours a day working with people. And anything that's going to put you in contact with people, or um, I've been really active in trying to get an amendment that makes COVID basically deemed covered under the Longshore Act would prevent us to have from having to do those evidentiary things that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that we talked about is every time we send our workers out into the workforce, we're saying you can't stay home and protect yourself. Amanda and I, we haven't left our house much because we can stay home and protect ourselves. And if you can't make that choice, it's your work that's causing you to increase your and that's why kind of from a personal standpoint, I think workers should be covered. And I think our states probably aren't going far enough. And that's what this particular worker, this bus driver who kind of every day, he opens himself up to meet the needs of society by doing this. And we, society in essence should have his back and should protect him if the worst does happen because he did that. Well, we all, we all remember from about two months ago, the Chicago bus driver who pleaded for help contracted COVID-19 and died a few days later. And it was just so very sad, but nothing could have been, or excuse me, nothing was done about the requests. 
you know, from, from coast to coast, uh, no matter the political affiliation, you know, you've got government leaders, governors who thank our essential workers. Thank you, first responders. Thank you, healthcare providers. We can't do it without you. And we're going to buy you meals and we're going to give you PPE and whatever we can do. But they kind of stop short when it comes to workers' compensation benefits. It, go do your jobs and we're sorry if you get sick. Well, that, they need to take that next step. States need to take this next step and cover these workers and, and make it a presumption that if they're in a certain line of work, that if they contracted the virus, that they're going to be covered, that they're going to get medical treatment and they're going to get compensated while they recover from the disease. David, in the state of Alabama, how would our at-will employment laws deal with a situation like this, like this, this driver? Let's say that we've got a, a city of Birmingham or Metro bus driver who says, y'all aren't doing anything to protect me. I know I'm gonna, I'm being exposed. If you don't do something about it, I'm gonna either bring a lawsuit or I have to quit. What is the employer, what are their options? What do they say about that? You know, it, it's not a good situation for the employee. They can make their complaints. Um, there's obviously strength in numbers. And so that one bus driver, uh, if, they can, if they can band together all the bus drivers to make their complaints to management, uh, they might be stronger there in, 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 in getting uh, accomplished what it is they're trying to accomplish, whether it be PPE or better or more safety features in the bus. Uh, but their employment's at will. They can be fired for any reason, for no reason, for a good reason, a dumb reason. So. Well, then that leads us to our, our next article out of Virginia. Virginia is poised to create first pandemic workplace safety mandates in the nation as Trump labor agency sits on the sidelines. When I saw this article, I just kind of went, I like it. <laughs> Amanda, Amy, what did you guys think of this? What did you take away from it? You want to take this one? That's okay. <laughs> No, I absolutely agreed. I was right there with you. Yeah. Way to go, Virginia. Yeah. Our government is supposed to do this. They're supposed to step in. They're supposed to give us guidelines. They're not supposed to leave us kind of out there going, figure it out for yourself. And unfortunately, I mean, we're employers. We all have employees. And to a certain extent, I kind of feel like in certain instances, our government has done that. They haven't given us clear guidance on when, if we should turn workers back. Um, what's gonna happen if our workers have to get within six feet of each other? Um, should we actually buy the cute little placards with the little feet on them to tell our clients who come into our offices where to stand? Should I actually go out and buy a plexiglass divider and having the government step in and say, this is what should happen, makes it easier as an employer to know what I actually need to do. 
And it's less about me making that balance between do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? Is this really going to work? Because we've got some evidence-based, some guidance helping us out by the government weighing risks. So and I, I think like it. I think this goes back to your earlier comment about um, if money weren't an option, uh, a consideration, employers would do what they could. But money is a consideration. And so this tells you what, or would tell you what um, should be done at least at a minimum. Well, and if OSHA is not gonna lift a finger, um, then it's gonna be up to the states. And with 50 states, you're gonna get 50 different uh, outcomes as opposed to federal guidelines, which would be most helpful in this situation. So the states and governors and their agencies are gonna to have to step up and be the leaders. Oh, and I think that's part of the reason why we keep seeing flares and some states are doing better than others. And even states that are doing well, we can't kind of fully reopen state economies like Washington lately had been doing really well, very, very recently. But because we all travel in our state and we have the ability to kind of move around, if we don't have a nationwide standard with some of these things, we're all going to be a little bit behind the curve and we're not going to be controlling this virus as it walks literally around the country. I think that in its not simplest form, because we don't know really all that they should know about this virus, there's no vaccine, there's no uh, medicine yet at this point. It's a lot of guessing. And even if you're listening to the, either your local medical um, sources or national sources, there's still so much debate. Not, there, there's no standards, there's no protocols. Each state is trying to do its, its own thing. Yes, it would be very easy to sit here and criticize the president and his administration for what they're not doing or what they are doing. But that doesn't get us anywhere. And I think that's where Virginia has said, we're going we're gonna to be proactive. We're going to protect our, our people. And this is how we're going to try to do it. Good or bad, right or wrong, at least they're making an attempt. At least they're being proactive. You know, I sat in a doctor's deposition. It was the first one where I've gone to a, a facility. Uh, the, the deposition was yesterday. Now everybody did wear a mask. This was an orthopedic surgeon's clinic. And most protocols that I've been seeing were in place. But what I could not believe was going on in the deposition, we had about a six foot table. I sat at one end, the doctor who was being deposed, the opposing counsel and the court reporter all sat together at the other end. And it was just, I, I, I didn't understand why. And maybe they're more comfortable than I am because I truly have been as socially distant as, as I, I think is the prudent right thing to do. There was no airflow. All the doors were shut. It was just, it was not a setting I wanted to be in. Thankfully, it was a 40 minute deposition and I hauled butt as soon as we were done. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I bring it up is I've had other doctor's offices insist that we take the depositions online. And then we've had others that have recommended, why don't we do it outside? 
you know, so it's kind of all over the board. So I applaud Virginia. I hope more states become proactive. I seriously doubt ours will, um, but I could be, I could be uh, surprised, I guess. David, do you ever see us being as proactive as Virginia uh, to try and protect Alabamians? Uh, no. Sadly and almost comically, unless it involves specifically college football, which seems to be the, the, the in all seriousness, that's what gets people's attention uh, from lawmakers on on down. But guys, we've got a few more minutes uh, coming up, and I do want to thank Amanda and Amy Peters of Edmonds, Washington, with Blue Water Legal being with us today. Our, our friends for the last few years were both all four of us are in national organization. Are you, let's see, Amy, let's see, you're past president. Correct. Amanda, have you had any uh, roles yet other than being a member? Because I, I have not. I know David is. Um, not of Willig specifically. Our State Trial Lawyers Association, I've um, done some things in there, and I'm working with our um, publication, Workers First Watch, as well. Oh, very good. Dave, I want you to give us a plug for Willig because it's, we've got so many friends in the organization, most of whom have, are being our, our monthly uh, guests on this because we try to find friends and colleagues who do similar work that David and I do, representing and, and, and helping injured workers uh, from different parts of the country. And we each, and next month, we've got Tom Murphy out of Montana and he's gonna be- Well, you'll have fun. But he's gonna be a good one. They've all been great. We had Mike Gruber, we had Paolo, uh, we had Ben Gerber, um, I know I'm leaving out other folks, but oh, Sarah Stottlemyre, how can I forget Sarah? But uh, Dave, I want you to give us a plug uh, before we continue on for Willie. Uh, yeah, sure. So if you're a, uh, a lawyer that represents injured workers in work comp cases, uh, Longshore uh, Defense Space Act, uh, Willig is a great resource and um, it's a thousand members strong across the country. Uh, it, it, I've, I've enjoyed getting to know lawyers from around the country and learning that their issues that we face in Alabama are, are also issues they face in other states and that, and that we're not alone and that we're, and that we're all having these issues and working together. And, and we've become, we've become better lawyers uh, to our clients by, by being involved in this organization. And of course, it's 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 allowed us to um, develop great relationships with people across with lawyers across the country. So um, I'm I can't say enough good things about it. Um, Amy has served as an officer and, and past president, and so I know she'd like to say something as well. <laughs> I love Willig. Willig's kind of family, so <laughs> it's how I got to know both of you. It's how I've gotten to know wonderful lawyers across the country. And um, the great thing about Willig is it creates this environment where we're all sharing ideas and we're finding solutions. And when states have an issue popped up, it's probably has been addressed somewhere else. And so you're not looking at issues totally anew. You've got a whole resource, a whole country of people who are there to help and guide you through what um, you're going through. So. Definitely join Willig. It's a wonderful organization. I'm sure you'll love it as much as we both have. Well, it's uh, uh, contrary to popular belief, we're not sponsored by Willig here. <laughs> but we, we certainly want to acknowledge and thank those who 
who put the organization together and to bring us new friends like you guys. But and we've got a couple of more minutes uh, before we wrap up today's uh, this month's Alabama Work Comp today. You know, it may be that we've mislabeled the program because we really, even though we bring our Alabama flair and, and we, we talk a little bit about Alabama law, we're really talking national issues. We're talking different states. Uh, usually at this time, we like to compare the way Alabama laws treat certain topics and certain things about helping injured workers with the guest's home state. And so I want to take a minute or two, and I know that you guys don't really concentrate on the state work comp level. Uh, so we, we can talk about longshoremen uh, in that process a little bit, which I know is, is a national, excuse me, a federal set of laws. So if I'm doing that in Alabama, it's going to be the same Pretty laws much the same. as it is in Washington state. And I guess technically you could represent if you were, uh, if we had a case for you, we could refer one. It's a little bit of a, <laughs> Uh, a, a jump. It would be a bit of a jump, but yes, you could. <laughs> it have to be a real good case. But uh, I, I wanted, I guess where I want to go with this, in Alabama, if we have a, a state work comp case, and David's got a, a construction worker who got hurt by a forklift, and let's use that same example in the longshoreman setting, just put it on a on a dock or in a ship, those kind of things. We can bring our case, Dave, in what court and what, who's our trial of fact? Yeah, so in Alabama, when we have a dispute and work comp, we go straight to the trial court. We don't have an administrative system. We don't go through that. We go straight to the circuit court in Alabama in a particular county, and our judge is the same type of judge who would try a, a jury trial or a med mal trial or yeah, a negligence case. Now, Amanda, let's put that scenario in, I don't know, one of the big harbors, and you guys now represent that same worker or a worker in that same scenario. Where do you adjudicate that case? And I'll talk to Longshore, and Amy can actually talk to uh, Washington State because they're very different. Mm -hmm. uh, and she used to practice a lot of Washington State. Uh, Longshore-wise, um, there is an administrative process first. Um, there's no jury trial, uh, but the cases can be um, appealed up through the federal system as well. In Washington State, um, so Longshore cases, everything's adjudicated, like Mandy said, through the Department of Labor, and they have their own set of judges everything in kind of the trying of facts is done at that level. Washington State has a similar system, but what Washington State has done to make that system fair is they have created a brand new agency. It's called the Board of Industrial Insurance Appeals. And it's a totally separate um, agency from the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries. Um, and so that makes it so it's, they try to create a more element of fairness because our state government actually controls our workers' compensation um, funds and how we administer those. And then the other thing that our state allows is more like your guys' system is the first appeal is to our state trial courts. And if we appeal up to the state trial courts, you get a de novo trial and you can't ask for that to be a jury trial. So in Washington state, there are jury trials for workers' compensation cases. Wow, interesting. 
Yeah, we are strictly in front of a judge and it's a circuit court judge. But uh, it's, it's while a lot of things are very similar, um, there's so many nuances that are so different. Uh, Dave, any other words of wisdom before we wrap it up for today? Uh, no wisdom on my part, thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I will say we do have some exciting news uh, about our law firm. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a, a new lawyer starting with us in just a couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. And he is a uh, Birmingham lawyer that focuses on bankruptcy uh, with about 25 years experience. So uh, we're excited. Uh, he's going to join us next month. So stay tuned for more details on that. Yeah, that we won't get Steve on this program, but we're going to definitely have him on some other programs that we have. All right, Amanda, your prediction whether we're going to be able to break bread together in Arizona in October. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I don't know. I don't know. As much as we all want to get together and, and have those awesome yearly conferences that Willie does so well, I, I think as each day passes and there's nothing of significant change toward our safety and health. I don't know if it's going to be virtually or actually. I think it may end up being virtually, but I guess that remains to be seen. They definitely are going to do it virtually. So we'll get together one way or another. One and way. let's let's be safe this time so that we can meet next time. <laughs> absolutely. And before we, we finish, I want to thank you both for sharing your time, bringing your expertise, your wisdom, your experience to our show today. It's friends like you all being on our monthly show, Paolo, last month, Tom, next month, that really helps our program and helps to bring some real value to the people who, who listen or, or watch our show. So thank you both. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I've already given you your last word, so I'm not going to ask you or permit you to speak any further so this well i'm going to jump in anyway <laughs> and just say that our that our next show is uh july 23rd with tom mm -hmm. murphy from montana and uh he's a really smart good work comp lawyer and very entertaining very <laughs> and i and i truly hope that by the time uh that show rolls around we won't have to focus as much on the COVID issues, but I suspect we're still going to be addressing that. But what did we not address this time or last time, David, that we had the previous like six shows? Amazon and Uber. <laughs> gig economy. <laughs> yeah, in the gig economy. Well, guys, For take care. Be safe. Use your common you sense. And continue to just be patient. Take Wear care. a mask. <laughs>